This is the Uncommon Christian Podcast with Michael Hinton. Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in today for episode 34. Today we are kicking off a new series called Five Questions. And I'm really excited for this series and I hope you are too. For the next few weeks, we're going to be uh, diving into five different questions I believe can change the way we go about making decisions in our own lives. Now, these questions come from Andy Stanley's new book called Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets, Five Questions to Help You Determine Your Next Move. My hope is that you and I can really engage each of these questions in our own lives and that it will help us in the end make better decisions so that we can live with fewer regrets, right? Because shouldn't we be asking ourselves better questions anyway? I don't know about you, but I have found that when I ask questions, good and honest questions, I get better answers. And the better the answers, the better decisions or choices I'm able to make. You see, the lack of asking good questions of ourselves is a missed opportunity. Questioning is a uniquely powerful tool for unlocking value in ourselves. It spurs learning in the exchange of ideas, and it fuels innovation and life improvement. It can also allow us to uncover unforeseen pitfalls and hazards. Now, think about some of the worst decisions you've ever made. Do you think you would have made those decisions if you had asked yourself some questions beforehand or if you had asked yourself some better questions to get to the root of the decision before it's being made? I don't know about you, but I can look back on my life and see that if I had asked some questions or better questions, I could have avoided some difficult moments and seasons altogether. Now, if you listen to this, I imagine you may be in the same boat. Well, here's the good news. We can start anew today. By asking good questions of ourselves, we can naturally improve our emotional intelligence, which in turn will aid us in becoming better questioners. It's honestly a virtuous cycle, right? The more we can ask ourselves the right questions, the more insight we'll have to make good decisions that align with what God wants to do in our lives. So today, I want to talk about the first of the five questions I believe will help us make better decisions in our life, and it's the integrity question. Am I being honest with myself, really? So when I was in middle school, or as it's called here in California, junior high, I wanted to find a group to belong to. I didn't have a lot of friends, and I was desperately looking for some way to feel included. Now, I was a good athlete, but I didn't have money to play sports. I knew I had musical abilities from volunteering at church, but again, didn't have money to purchase any instruments. Now, I would later learn that playing the drums was about as free and cheap as an instrument I could get. So this one group that was free and didn't cost a penny for me to be a part of was choir. It also didn't hurt that there was a girl that I had a crush on that was part of this choir group as well. Now, where I grew up in this little small town called Immokalee, Florida, middle school was grades 6 through 8. So I spent three years in choir working on my vocal skills and trying to win the heart of this particular girl. I remember during my eighth grade year, I wanted to secure a solo. You see, I had tried out for a countless number of solos during my time uh, in the group and never getting one of them. Now, my eighth grade year was my last shot at getting a solo. I knew I wasn't the greatest singer in the group, but I believe I wasn't the worst. I convinced myself that I was somewhere in the middle. And if I were in the middle, that should be good enough for a solo. Finally, 
after about four or five tryouts throughout the year, I was finally awarded a solo for a performance. I still remember the song called Everyday Heroes. We were to perform this song for a local principal that was going to retire at the end of the year. I practiced that song so much, I can still remember the lyrics some 23 years later. And I had convinced myself that I was going to blow everyone out of the water with how well I was going to sing this song and would have people in tears and all of my doubters would be astonished at my ability. You know, all, all the dreams about it. However, when it came time for the performance, the opposite was true. I crashed and burned so hard, I can still feel the effects of that performance. It makes me even shudder just to even think about it. I made it through the whole performance. I executed my solo, and people clapped, but you could tell, and I could tell it was a pity clap or what people in the South would call a bless-your-heart moment. Looking back, I honestly believe that if I had asked myself a few questions, I would have avoided the embarrassment of that moment. And the first question I should have started with is, why in the world do I want to sing a solo in front of people? Now, 13-year-old me with a lack of maturity and perspective would have probably said, it'll be cool, I know I can do it, this girl will like me more and more, and the other 13-year-olds, right? But 35-year-old me, soon to be 36, can answer, well, because for some reason it felt like it was the only way I'd be accepted, that I'd be liked, that I'd feel like somebody. My desire to be liked and accepted by my peers led me to falsely convince myself that the only way to achieve that was to do this solo, to make myself believe I could sing and people would only accept me if I could pull this off. Now, here's the interesting thing I've learned over the years. We are all from time to time guilty of doing this exact thing in our own lives. Here's what I mean. Before we make a decision, we have to sell ourselves on why a certain decision needs to be made. We tell ourselves that if we decide one way, it will have benefits, and if we decide the other way, it will have cons or consequences. And no one can sell to ourselves like ourselves. We know what to say and how to say it to ourselves in order to get the decision we truly want. There's something we want, and that want has two layers to it. There's the surface or the short-term effect layer. This is what we think will benefit us now by having it. And then there's the below the surface or the long-term effect that we are only sometimes aware of. So in order to get that what we want, we have to make a decision. And in order to make a decision, we have to sell ourselves on why making a certain kind of decision will be beneficial to us. Now, to be clear, I'm not talking about making a good decision. I'm talking about all the decisions we've come to regret over the years. And in making those decisions, we've sometimes had to create a narrative, mostly false, of why we deserve this or that thing. And once we've convinced ourselves of that narrative, then we're off to the races with that decision. Let me ask you, have you ever said, well, it seemed like a good decision at the time, or I don't understand why I did that. I could write a whole bunch of books with many chapters on the decisions I've made in my lifetime, where afterwards I've said a version of those two previous statements. I think uh, the ancient prophet by the name of Jeremiah gives us insight into why we end up in those decisions. He says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I think Jeremiah is on to something here, right? Somewhere along the way in the decision-making process, we began to buy into the narrative we sold ourselves on. 
whether it was a purchase we wanted to make, a relationship we wanted to have, or a habit we were creating, we sold ourselves on a narrative that felt maybe partially true at the time, but turned out to be completely false. And Jeremiah is saying that that false narrative was created by your heart, and your heart operates out of deceitfulness. You can't trust your heart in a decision-making process. Think about it. Every bad decision you and I have ever made was made out of a lie, a false narrative that we told ourselves, sold ourselves in order to be okay with the decision we were about to make. And that lie started in the heart. Think about it this. Look back on all the bad decisions you've made in your life. Was there something you believe would benefit you if you made that decision? Where did that belief come from? Did it start from a half-truth, but then you sold it to yourself as a full truth? It's why we do things that make perfect sense in the moment that make no sense a moment later. It's why we do the very things we advise others not to do. It's because our hearts are deceitful. Now, hear me when I say this. I'm not saying that we are all deceitful, but our hearts are. And if left unchecked, it will lead us into making decisions we'll end up regretting later. Now, this all sounds hopeless, right? Like there is no hope. There is no cure to the deceitful heart, so what hope do we have in fighting this? And I'll be honest, Jeremiah is right. There is no cure to the heart. This is not something that can be solved on this side of heaven. But that doesn't mean that there isn't hope. Actually, there's more hope than you know. And it starts with doing a combination of these three things that can help really keep our deceitful hearts in check. Okay? First thing is this. Face reality. Face reality reality. The faster you and I face the reality of our hearts, the better we will be at developing what Andy Stanley calls healthy suspicion. We have to face the reality that our hearts doesn't always have the best intentions. And what I mean by doesn't always is really hardly ever. When we're able to face that reality, we'll be more open to the information and advice that conflicts where our hearts might be trying to take us. When we face that reality, we'll more quickly recognize when the salesman or saleswoman in us is trying to sell us on something opposite of our beliefs and faith. And when we face the reality of our hearts, we'll be able to call out that false narrative we've been trying to sell ourselves to justify a decision. So let's face reality. Here's the second thing. We can ask the question, am I being honest with myself really? This is where we have a heart-to-heart with ourselves. This is where we pull back the curtains and dig through the closet, so to speak. This is where, yes, we get into the mess, the pain, and the uncomfortable to figure out if we're truly being honest with ourselves about a decision and why are we making it. Don't you think you deserve to at least be honest with yourself even if you don't plan on changing your mind? I would wager that if you ask yourself this question, and then you were actually honest with the why, more often than not, you would take a different direction. And here's the last thing. Be curious. Brene Brown, in her book, Rising Strong, says, our rational grown-up selves are good liars. Because of this, she insists that we have what she refers to as emotional curiosity. This emotional curiosity is the only way for us to break down the doors where our heart Our heart keeps all of its deception. This emotional curiosity digs through our whys. It works through our discomforts and allows us to really get to the bottom of why we're so determined to do what we're doing. And somewhere at the bottom is the truth we really need to hear. 
Andy says, curiosity will keep you focused on the frontier of your ignorance. That's where we learn. That's where we gain insight. It's where we catch, uh, it's where we catch slight uh, of our prejudices and our narrow-mindedness. I love that quote because it really does challenge us to be super curious about ourselves and our decisions. So get curious. Ask yourself questions like, why am I doing this really? Why did I react the way I did when presented with new insight and information? Why won't I spend more time with my family? Why did it bother me? Why did I say that in response? And I promise you, the more honest you are with yourself before you make a decision, the fewer regrets you'll have because you will make better decisions. Well, I want to thank you for listening today. And if this was helpful for you, would you do me a favor, a big favor, and share this with others? Also, I'd love it if you would provide a positive rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts so that this show can reach more people. And that's what it's all about, not about fame or popularity. This podcast is all about encouraging and inspiring every Christian to love Jesus and to live out their purpose in uncommon ways. Thanks for joining, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Uncommon Christian Podcast with Michael Hinton. For more information on today's topic, visit UncommonChristianPodcast.com.